especially when you look at the tech supply chain, go anywhere from four levels to 10, 12 levels removed from the final product. It really goes from being a supply chain to a supply network. This is Trisana Talks, and I'm your host, Shreya Nandi. Our intention is to bring you perspectives, some our own, some from our group of even smarter friends and confidants to help inform your opinions on how data, as the nuclei of digital and tech, will reshape the world we live, breathe, and play in. This episode of Trisada Talks reflects the opinions of only the authors who are associated persons of Trisada and do not reflect the views of Trisada Inc. In this episode, we have our summer 2021 interns, Nick Lord and Cole McCorkle, talking about Nick's global internship experience with his ESG project focused on tech company Intel. You can find the transcript for this episode on Trisada.com. That's T-R-E-S-A-T-A dot C-O-M. And let's keep listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another special intern episode of Trisada Talks. My name is Cole McCorkle, and I've had the privilege of being part of Trisada's Global Summer Internship for the past eight weeks. And my guest here is Nick Lord. Nick, you want to say a couple words about yourself? Yeah, I'm Nick, and I was also part of the uh, summer internship. And I'm excited to be able to go over what we did as interns and some of the claims that we investigated and ultimately what we found. So eight seemingly very short weeks ago, the director of interns asked us to find red herrings in a company's ESG claims. So when you first heard that, what what went on in your brain? Coming from a computer science background, I wasn't too familiar what ESG actually was. So between Trisada giving us some background info and doing some research, I found it wasn't as abstract as I initially thought it was. So ESG is environmental, social, and governance. So I realized I was very familiar with a lot of the pushes for sustainabilities in companies, diversity, fair labor. And so ESG kind of represents the culmination um, of those things. So then moving into the red herring, all right, how are, how are these companies misleading to try to maybe get public favor in regards to ESG? Nice. You, you ended up choosing a company. What did that process look like and how did you land where you did? Yeah, so we were each assigned an industry and I was given tech. And so I ended up going with Intel. They have their CPUs and chips power thousands, if not millions, of computers and other devices. And I went with them because, one, they're recognizable. They're a huge company, you know, Fortune 100, biggest semiconductor company in the world. And they have a manufacturing aspect to them. They're not just pure software. They would be good representation for the rest of the tech industry. So here at Trisada, our favorite topic is obviously data. Could you just tell me a little bit about where your data came from? So I started looking into Intel and their reports. So they had their ESG reports. They called them um, Corporate Sustainability Reports, CSR. And so first was delving through, you know, pages of that, seeing what metrics they give us, what claims they give us, and what I have to work with. So my first claim that I ultimately went with was they were talking about how they tried to elevate human rights, both in their company and throughout the supply chain, and particularly their goal to combat forced labor and modern slavery. Then I tried to delve into the issue in a generalized scale. So first I looked into data sets like the World Bank Human Rights data set, where it scored 
all the countries based on a few um, metrics regarding human rights. And then I also looked at a more specific um, data set on labor rights. So this is the International Trade Union Confederation. And so it scored countries one to five. So it kind of gave you an idea of, okay, where's Intel based off their CSR reports and what, are, what makes up their supply chain? And how are those companies performing in regards to these human rights and labor rights? Yeah, so it sounds like you started with some really big data sets. What strategies did you use to, to get that data? I f- knew I wanted to stay with government-based or um, intergovernment-based organizations just to cr- try to give that credibility where looking at these corporations themselves, they might not always be so unbiased. And diving deeper into the issue, I went from human rights in general into a more specific labor rights category because that was really what was pertaining to Intel. So that's where I got even more specific and looked at a case study in Malaysia. And this was from a third-party watchdog report from Project Verite. And it looked at the prevalence of forced labor in the electronics industry in Malaysia. Looking at that, it kind of gave me a cohesive picture going from the global level down to a specific case study on an issue that's really pertinent to these supply chains. That's great. And, and it sounds like your story was driven by both qualitative and quantitative data. Would you say that's correct? Oh, definitely. But we're dealing with these big problems that aren't very straightforward. So along with finding these World Bank data sets and case studies, I was also doing a lot of qualitative research in what is the problem of forced labor? Where are these supply chains for these tech companies? It was the dichotomy of making sure your quantitative data was good and was backing up your claims, but also making sure you're staying on track to really tackle the problem. Let me also ask you, how did Traceda's software factor into this whole journey? So this was definitely a big part, especially when you're looking at, you know, data sets where it's every single country in the world. So if you're just looking at this in CSV file form, it's hard to get an idea of, you know, what this data means. The two tools that I used the most were Trek and Tides. So Trek allowed me to profile that data, see if it was usable if you know, all the columns were filled, if it was going to actually give me what I thought it was going to give me. But then probably even more important than Trek for me personally was Tides. So this is our visualization tool. Instead of going into Excel and looking at the columns and the rows, you can put it into Tides, put different filters to look at different subsets of countries. And so that was very helpful into being able to get a cohesive view of what my data was pointing towards. So at the end of all that, what, what is the deal about Intel's ESG? Tell me about that. I focused on the human rights and forced labor aspect, but coming directly from Intel, they had a claim that said, we are committed to maintaining and improving systems and processes to avoid human rights violations related to our own operations and supply chain. And then with a little bit more specific force and bond and labor, they stated, we have worked to build a strong system to detect and address risks of force and bonded labor among our suppliers. So that was really the core that I was trying to you know, figure out, are these claims valid? Are they kind of working towards that? Or are they just completely unsubstantiated? So looking at this country and worldwide data, I was able to kind of get an idea of, okay, where is Intel in the world as far as their manufacturers and suppliers? And how do those countries do on the metrics of um, human rights and labor rights? Intel has a lot of manufacturing plants and suppliers in locations that don't perform too well in both of those categories for various reasons. And actually compared to a lot of other manufacturing nations that they could be using, 
they were they were below average. Then moving on to the case study I looked at. So you have some of these, you know, places where Intel has a manufacturing and supply chain presence, not only in the electronics industry itself, but in the subset of the electronic industry that Intel resides in, which was computer manufacturing, like the internals, all the different semiconductors. 24% of people surveyed were in some kind of forced labor. And not only that, but a lot of people who weren't in forced labor had other sorts of labor infractions. So if you can look at that and go, okay, we know Intel and a lot of other tech companies have a presence in Malaysia, and this is going on, what does this mean about many of the other countries with poor labor rights? That's a surprise. I mean, 24%, that's remarkable. I mean, that's surprising. Yeah, it's a really, really disturbing figure. But the problem is, okay, we know what's happening on this kind of general level, not these specific locations, which they claim they're, they're trying to stop it. And they actually do, to their credit, have various programs where they're trying to stop instances of this. One of the big issues I found to, to solving this problem is, especially when you look at the, the tech supply chain, you go anywhere from four levels to 10, 12 levels removed from the final product. It really goes from being a supply chain to a supply network. So it's hard to know where exactly your, your products are coming from, your suppliers are coming from, and how to root out the issue. And that's where I think companies like Traceda are really well poised to tackle the issue because by using various data sets to connect these supply networks together, now I can see, okay, how are these companies interacting? Where is it coming from? And how does that relate to where a lot of this forced labor and other labor infractions are coming from? Let's say I gave you a big magic button you could hit right now, and it would take you back eight weeks, and you would get to do this whole internship again. What, what would be different? What would be the same? I think the biggest thing is getting comfortable with a real-world issue. When you first get the prompt, it's like nothing that you get in you know, university. So it's not straightforward. There's no direct question, and there's no direct answer. You can't just go at it like you would a, a school problem where I'm going to do this step and this step and this step to get the answer that the teacher wants. There is no answer the teacher wants. You have to you know, discover it for yourself to get really this holistic answer to this ESG problem. Now, were there any additional ESG claims you may have wanted to look at if you had more time or resources or anything like that? Yeah, I was really interested in looking at um, the emissions from the various manufacturing facilities. Intel really did have some, um, were very transparent in their emissions from their manufacturers. But if I had more time in a perfect world, I'd really like to be able to go back and see how are they doing in regards to GHG emissions. In the midst of a global pandemic, we participated in this internship. How connected did you end up feeling? What was the experience kind of socially and, and with all the interns like? Yeah, I was really nervous at first coming into an internship where I was going to be in my bedroom for the whole summer. I was worried I wouldn't be able to get that connection with the company itself and with my fellow interns. I think that's one thing this internship program really excelled on. And this was especially important because we not only had interns from the US, we also had two from India and one from Europe. And also the collaboration. We had various um, games we would play and be able to sit in on presentations from a lot of the leadership in Traceda. And overall, it was just a really 
good social experience as well, which is often overlooked in internships, but it's important to get to know the company itself and be able to interact with a lot of other really bright minds. Using the access to these Traseda leadership and other interns, you're constantly getting feedback and it just becomes a much better product when you have that collaboration with a bunch of other really bright minds. As we get towards the end of this conversation, um, we always like to end with something that we lovingly call the one mic stand, Nick. If you had to convince someone to apply to Traceda's Global Summer Internship, what would you say? Oh, that's an easy one. Traceda made this easy for me. So one, you get to work at a very high-level tech stack. You know, we're working with Spark, Scala, Hadoop, very prevalent in the data science field. Second thing is the accessibility. I was working with leadership every day and you know, small group meetings. If I had a question, I got to talk to the product lead or the client delivery lead. And they were so accessible where I could really get into what is Traseda, what are they working on, and get a cohesive understanding of it. And three would be the mission. Their mission statement is, you know, through data lies the power to enrich life. And I got to see firsthand the projects that they're working on to really use this technology to make life better for everyone. Well, I'll tell you, you have, you have sold me, Nick. I might just have to apply again. This has been an, a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Nick Lord. It was awesome to get to talk about uh, my experience this summer and what I enjoyed about the, the Traseda internship. Thanks, everybody. Interested in other projects our summer interns took on? Give our last episode with Jaden Hausler a listen. And if you're left wondering about anything else related to Traseda Talks, email us at curious at traseda.com. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S at traseda.com. And give us a follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And feel free to subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. And we'll talk data to you soon.